You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our examination of the events that happened after Hudaybiyah in the life of the Prophet So now we are examining year 6 of the Hijrah and going into year 7 of the Hijrah. It has been reported that the ruling of Zihar was revealed year 6 of the Hijrah. Zihar was historically in pre-Islamic Arabia a way to divorce. So you had the regular divorce in which a husband would divorce his wife. And then you also had another type of insulting divorce, which is called dihar. And basically dihar meant that the husband would tell his wife, Anti alayya kazahri ummi. Your back is like my mother's back. Which, is, which, which was a very insulting way of telling her, I will never touch you. Just like I would never touch my mother, I would never touch you, you're divorced. So it was a type of divorce in the Jahili Arab society. And it was an insulting type of divorce. So if the husband wanted to get rid of his wife for good, or if he was very bitter, he was very upset, he would do that. So what happened is, it has been reported that year 6 of the Hijrah, the ruling on Zihar was revealed in the Holy Quran. Reports indicate that a man by the name of Aus ibn Samit, he became very angry with his wife, Khawla bint Tha'laba, and he said to her, Anti alayya kadahri ummi. Your back is like my mother's back. So this was a very insulting way to issue the divorce. Now, reports indicate that this was the first time a Muslim did dhihar in Islam. So we know the Jahili pagans would do that. But this was the first incident of a Muslim in the Muslim community issuing this type of divorce, which is called dhihar. Now there are different versions of what exactly happened next. But reports indicate that he regretted what he said, but he issued that divorce according to the Jahili mentality. So his wife, Khawla bint Tha'laba, she came to the Prophet She told him, Ya Rasulullah, my husband Aus married me when I had wealth, I had a big family. And now that he's consumed my wealth, he's eaten my wealth all these years, and my youth is gone, and I no longer have a big family, he commits dihar, he divorces me, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, he divorces me in this very insulting way. So she was basically asking the Prophet about the ruling. What is the status of my divorce right now? What do I do? According to these reports, the Prophet said to him, you became unlawful to him. You got separated. She started to shout and yell and complain. She said, 
I complain to you, Ya Allah, from my poverty, from my need, from my desperation, from my disappointment. Basically, she was begging the Prophet to reconsider by doing that. The Prophet told her, I see that you have become haram on him. That's just the ruling. She cried and she begged again and she said, Ya Allah, I complain to you. So she kept begging the Prophet when suddenly the reports indicate the face of the Prophet changed and revelation descended upon him with Jibra'il. Jibra'il reveals to him which surah in the Quran? Surah al -na no, not Surah Al-Talaq, Surah Al-Mujadila. He revealed the first verses of Surah Al-Mujadila. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّتِي تُجَادِلُكَ فِي زَوْجِهَا Allah has heard the pleading woman, the one who is arguing with you about her husband. وَتَشْتَكِي إِلَى اللَّهِ She's complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَاللَّهُ يَسْمَعُ تَحَاوُرَكُمَا Allah listens to your conversations and arguments. إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ So these verses of Surah Al-Mujadila were revealed. After this surah was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ called on Aus ibn Samit, her husband. He told him, come, I want to read, this verses, read these verses to you. So he read him those verses, and then the Prophet commanded him, because you did dhihar, if you want to go back to her, you have to pay kafara. So the Prophet told him, اعتق رقبة, free a slave. That's the first tear of the kafara. Free a slave, so Allah will forgive you for your sin of insulting her like that and issuing this haram divorce. And so she becomes lawful and you can go back to her as your wife. So he commanded him, free a slave. He said, Mali qudra. I'm poor. I don't own a slave. I cannot afford to buy a slave to free a slave. So I can't. The Prophet told him, okay, let's go to the next tier of kafara. Fasum shahrayni mutatabain. Fast for two consecutive months. 60 days you have to fast. The first 30, 31 days have to be consecutive. That's how you join the two months. Scholars have said you don't have to fast all the 60 days consecutively. You, you fast the first 30 consecutively, right? Not skipping a day, unless there's a religious excuse for the ladies. So the first 30 days, you fast consecutively. Then you fast another day. So you've joined two months. The next 29 days, you're free to skip if you want. So the Prophet... No, no, I'm saying like the kafara of, let's say, invalidating your fast. If someone deliberately breaks his fast, one of the kafara is to fast two months. Or if uh, if you accidentally kill someone, the kafara is what? You have to fast two months, yes. I know um, a, a person in another country who maybe due to negligence with driving, some negligence, four people got killed out of an, due to an accident. So he had to fast eight months. Haram, I remember when I once saw him and I noticed he's fasting the whole time. I told him, why are you fasting all these 
you know, days, he said, you know, he reminded me of the incident. He said, I'm fasting eight months as precaution because, you know, I'm not sure if it was out of negligence or not. It seems like he was a little bit tired. So for like a second, he fell asleep. Yeah, so he ran into a very severe accident. Four people died because of that accident. One in his car and three in another car. So he was fasting eight months. So you have to fast two consecutive months. Uh, scholars have different rulings on that. In, in his case, no, they were Muslim. So he said, the Prophet told him, fast two months. What was his response? He said, <laughs> He said, if I don't eat twice a day, I'll lose my vision. Sorry, I can't fast two months. It will impact my vision. Maybe he was truthful. You know, maybe at that age, he had... Um, Weakness in his vision or something like diabetes, right? So he had to eat, possibly. The Prophet told him, okay, I'll give you the last tier of the kafaras. فَأَطْعِمْ سَتِينَ miskina. Feed 60 poor people. That's the last of them. قَالَ لَا أَجِدْ He said, no, I don't have the money. إِلَّا أَن تُعِينَنِي مِنْكَ بِعَوْنٍ وَصِلَةٍ He was a very smart negotiator, mashallah, with the Prophet. He told him, I cannot pay the kafara unless you help me out. I'll give some, you give me some more, so I'll pay the kafara. <laughs> the Prophet told him, okay, I'll help you out. So the Prophet offered him some food. Some in narrations indicate half of the kafara. So the Prophet told him, okay, here's food to feed 30. The other 30, aliyak. You know, that's it. You can't run away from that. Okay, so this is the story of the dihar. Our observations. There are some problematic aspects about this version. And I'll share with you the correct version. Why? Because according to these versions in, in the Muslim books of tafsir, she comes to the Prophet and she's complaining about this dhihar situation, this haram divorce situation. The Prophet tells her, you know, in my opinion, you've been separated. She comes back, she pleads again, she begs. He says, I see that you have been separated. It seems that these narrations are insisting he would bring his opinion. And we know that Rasulullah in religious matters, in any matter, never gives his opinion. Very clear verses in Surah Al-Najm. That everything the Prophet speaks is revelation. So why is the Prophet giving his opinion and then Allah comes and Allah gives a different ruling? That even puts the Prophet in a bad spot. Because he told her you're separated, Allah came and he gave a different ruling. No, let him pay the kafara, he's not separated. So many of our scholars have not accepted these, this version. That the hadith states, you know, he kept telling her, in my opinion, you're separated. In my opinion, it's haram for you to go back to your husband. This does not befit the very great status of Rasulullah So, do we have another version in our books? Yes. In Tafsir Al-Qummi, we have another version that has been attributed to Imam Al-Baqir According to this version, when this lady Khawla, when she informed the Prophet of what her husband did, the dhihar that he committed. She said to him, please take a look 
at my case. Take a look at my situation and please do something about it. The Prophet said to her, Ma anzalallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala kitaban aqdi fihi baynaki wa bayna zawjaki. The Prophet told her, basically, look, in the Quran, from Revelation, I don't have a ruling from Allah about your situation yet. And I don't want to give my own opinion. See, this is Rasulullah If Allah has not revealed a ruling yet, He says it very clearly. I don't have a ruling yet from Allah. So I'm not going to give you my opinion because I don't want to give my own opinion. She started crying, complaining to Allah, pleading, and asking Rasulullah for a solution until Allah reveals Surah Al-Mujadila. The Prophet tells her good news. Allah has heard your pleading and He has revealed to me this verse to give you a solution, to give you a way out. So this seems the correct version of events. The Prophet did not give his opinion and the Quran comes and contradicts the opinion of the Prophet. The Prophet refuses to give his opinion. He clearly tells her that I don't have anything in the Quran to give you a ruling by. And I don't want to give my opinion. Basically he's telling her, if let Allah decide the matter. Let him bring down the revelation. In any case, the Prophet made it very clear to Muslims that it is haram to commit dhihar. It is haram to say this. And that Allah will forgive you if you sincerely repent and if you pay the kafara. And this is what the Prophet commanded the man to do. So the man went back to his wife. He, he regretted this whole incident. You know, sometimes you do something with your wife at home and then Allah gets involved and there's a verse in the Holy Quran and millions of people read about it throughout history. <laughs> so the guy felt bad, but Allah has to give us lessons as well, right? So it's not that Allah wanted to expose him, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to highlight the weight of this action. The man was forgiven. The Prophet helped him out with the kafara as well. So he was truly blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not like Allah directly came and condemned him. Allah still gave him hope. And that's the beauty of Islam. Regardless of what you do, there's always a way out. You can do tawbah, you can give the kafara, you can fix the situation. Now some reports indicate, just to show you how uh, good of a negotiator this man was, some reports indicate when the, when the Prophet told him to go and feed 60 poor, so he brought food for 30 and the Prophet helped him out with 30. So he told him, go and feed 60 poor people in Medina. He said to the Prophet, I swear by Allah, I'm not aware of a family in Medina poorer than my own family. <laughs> So if you want me to feed 60 poor, give it to me. I'm in greater need of this. The Prophet, out of his rahmah, he gave him permission. He says, yalla, it's okay. I give you permission, go and spend this kafara on your, your family, you know, um, your, your children, your extended family, whoever you have in your family. So this incident of dhihar has been documented to happen in year six of the hijrah with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there's one very beautiful lesson here, my dear brothers and sisters, and that is how much Islam pays attention to the pleading of a woman. Those who don't understand the position of women in Islam 
All they have to do is read Surah Al-Mujadila. In that society, this issue was considered so insignificant and trivial that a community leader with the stature of the Prophet would not waste a single moment on it. Some lady is complaining from her husband, big deal. Who cared in that society? We're talking about 7th century Arabia. Who cared? But subhanallah, see because a woman pleads, she complains from a husband who disrespected her and insulted her like that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets involved and He reveals an entire chapter Surah Al-Mujadila. This shows you how Islam views women. In that society, when they were considered second-class citizens, nobody cared about these issues. She could not go anywhere if a husband does that to her in that society. But Allah acknowledges this case and He reveals a full chapter. Is, is this not amazing? We're talking about 7th century Arabia. And that, that shows you the Rahmah of Islam and how much Islam really cared for the status of women and how Islam wanted to discipline husbands who would wrong their women like that. So this is a truly a beautiful lesson. You know, if you're ever asked by you know, fellow non-Muslims about the status of women, use Surah Al-Mujadila. Tell them that a husband in a small family problem oppresses his wife, insults her, God gets involved. He reveals an entire chapter in the Holy Quran condemning and criticizing what the husband did and basically siding with the, with the woman, acknowledging her case, acknowledging her plea. So that's a beautiful lesson that we learned from the Prophet who gave her a chance to come and speak her case and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who ends up revealing an entire chapter on that. Any questions about the incident of Dihar? I'm not aware of people who do it in our society these days. But if someone does it, it's a big sin, it's haram. And they have to pay the kafara in order for Allah to forgive that sin. So people might still commit this, it's haram. And there's a way to expiate for it. But I think, you know, because Allah revealed a, a full surah about this, basically people, you know, over, over throughout history stopped doing it. Possibly, yes. Whenever we find uh, troubling hadiths in the history of the Prophet, in the biography of the Prophet, we always ask for a political motive. And many times to justify the caliphs inserting their own opinion, they would say, yeah, you know, we learned from the Prophet, he would give his own opinion and he'd get it wrong. So it's okay if we give our opinion and we get it wrong too. Yes, sometimes you find that political motive.